Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. Howdy, howdy. It's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Morning to you. Welcome to Middays on Super Talk Mississippi. Dave Hughes in the big chair on this Tuesday. Rhino over in the box as always. How are things in the box, Rhino? Everything good in there? Uh, cozy. You got snacks? I do. Okay, good. That's a crisis averted right there before we even get started. Uh, we are starting the show this morning. We're going to call an audible because sometimes things happen. And uh, as a result, though... I get lucky because I have to start the show here in studio with us uh, from Bellhaven, uh, Dr. Rebecca Geisler Chittum. Did I get that right? You did. I don't know how, but I'm glad I did. How are you today? I am very good. Thank you. And joining you is Mr. E.C. Harp. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Now, you guys are here because, well, holiday season is here. We're, we're a week out from Thanksgiving, uh, and everybody's thoughts turn to Christmas. And you have a tradition at Bellhaven that I think everybody would be interested in because everybody loves a good singing Christmas tree, and you guys have the best one, I think. I would like to think we do have the best one. Yes, um, starting in 1933. Wow. Um, yes, it is considered the oldest outside singing Christmas tree, and it has been near continuous. The only year that it was not put on was the year of COVID in 2020. Wow. So 90 years. 91st. This, this is year. the 91st this year, Bellhaven singing Christmas tree. And uh, E.C. Harp, I just have to say, because we were talking, well, you guys were talking and I was eavesdropping before we came on the air, uh, you you have been involved with the singing Christmas tree at Bellhaven since 1965? That's correct. Wow. Yes. That's, that's, that's a heck. Just to put that in perspective for those of you sitting there at home, I was born in 67. The year I was born was EC's third year helping with the Bellhaven singing Christmas. I'm not trying to make you feel old, EC, but uh, just trying to establish what a history there is for this. Uh, and for people that aren't familiar with it and have never been, number one, shame on you. But if you've if they've never been, describe what goes on there, and we'll we'll start with you, Doctor. Uh, what what is the singing Christmas tree at Bellhaven? Well, um, it's a uh I guess you could say a triangular-shaped risers um, that is shaped like a tree with a star on the top, and there's some greenery and there are some lights. And the choir loads it and fills it up to the very top, and we sing, or they sing. I'll be directing. Um, Some of the traditions is we always have a singer, typically a senior, sing Oh Holy Night as a solo, and that particular student has to be very comfortable with heights because they are always at the very top 
of the tree. Uh, And how tall is that? Do you know? 26 feet. Holy cow. So that's like two, three stories tall. Yes. Mm -hmm. Good grief. This thing is huge. It is. It can fit about 100 singers on it. Now, we we were, uh, uh, before we came on the air, you were talking about the differences in the way things are done. Back when you started uh, uh, helping out with it, it was a completely different show than what it is now in a lot of ways, right? Absolutely. It was a wood frame that we put together. The college staff put this thing together. You could pack maybe 70 people on the tree, and if you had extras, you put them around the base at the bottom. Now, about how many are, are going to be participating this year on the tree? At Currently, I think about 75. And that is, um, we have about 60 students, and then we have some alum and even some members of the community. Like one of the, the ladies that has been coming to rehearsals, she lives in the Bellhaven area and has enjoyed coming to it. So she signed up to sing on it this year. That is fantastic. Now, if if someone wants, wants to come, uh, do, do they need a ticket? Do they just show up? How does this work? They just show up. Uh, it is on December 1st and 2nd at 730. Uh, people generally get there early, um, at least probably 630. And in fact, this year we're going to have the Mississippi Ag Museum is lending us their sleigh. And they're going to, they're so generous to come and bring it and drop it off and then pick it up. And so one of our uh, staff members is going to dress as Santa. So before the show starts, kids can come and have their picture taken with Santa. Oh, that is awesome. That, what would you say, EC, is the biggest difference between when you first helped with the tree and the tree as it is now, the, the whole program? What would you say the biggest difference is? The notoriety in the community and the traditions that have carried on the people who were part of the tree when I first came there are still coming back and it's fun to visit with them it's a blessing to visit with them when they come after or before the performance and you get to renew those friendships that you've had for years that is awesome. So, but here's the thing to remember: you can make new friends if it's your first time. You can make new friends because I'm going to take a wild guess and say this is the friendliest group of people you'll ever mix with. I I think so, and it's great because people bring their kids and they can sit out on the field, and the kids have the ability to move and not, you know, if they if they go to some type of program someplace else, they're kind of restrained. But the kids can get up and move, and so it's a very family-friendly experience, too. At, at a lot of programs like this, and you're exactly right, the best word to describe the kids in attendance is squirmy. That's, that's the best way to sum it up, I think. Uh, so they can just get out and burn that energy mm-hmm. off and not have to worry about it and not bother anybody. That's correct. That is perfect. Yes. EC will be out there running with them. Yes. Mm, won't be running with them, but I might be out there with them. Okay. okay. Hey, hey, still, that, that counts. That counts, EC. So uh, there's no ticket that you need. There's no admission fee. No. You just show up. Just show up. And let me say one more thing. Uh, probably the best way to get in the Christmas spirit, because I know, and I've, I've had conversations with people, I've had some folks tell me uh, that it seems like every year, gets a little more challenging to get in the Christmas spirit. takes a little more of a run-up to get all the way up in there. Uh, this is the way to put you over the top and put mm-hmm. you in the Christmas spirit 100%, Doc. 
Yes, it really is. And, you know, it's right there at the beginning of, of December when I know for the students, they're just, they're getting bogged down and they get to attend this and it just, it's a joyful experience for them. Well, it's either that or finals, so yeah. Oh, you, it's kind of in the middle of finals. <laughs> Even better. You're going to win every time yes. in that competition. Fantastic. So tell us again when and where. How do they get there? So it's December 1st and 2nd at 730, and it is on Bellhaven's main campus, uh, the Stadium Bowl, which is where the, the football field is. So the big show. The big field. And, and look for EC. He'll be out there playing touch football with the kids. Yes. No pressure. No none, pressure. None, whatever. No, no, no pressure. It's going to be fine. You're going to do great, man. It's no problem. This is a fantastic event, and I, I'm tickled that by accident, it, it was a long string of occurrences that led to you guys being here to start the show with, but I am so glad it worked out that way because everybody needs to know about this and needs to have the opportunity to come, and you got two different days, December 1st and 2nd. What days of the week is that? Friday and Saturday. I could look it up, but I'm lazy. It's so, okay. So Friday or Saturday. Uh, you've got plenty of time to book that in. Make the trip. Make yes. the time. About how long does the show last? About an hour. About an hour. So you're talking about an hour, hour and a half. That's it. Come on. It's worth it to get in the Christmas spirit, which is what this season is supposed to be about. We tend to forget that sometimes, yes. I think, mainly because we're upset at the people standing in line ahead of us at the store. We It just flets right out of our, our mind, and we forget it. Uh, so this is a great way to remind us of what this season is supposed to be about. Make your plans now to be there December 1st and 2nd, Friday and Saturday at Bellhaven College. Uh, the Singing Christmas Tree, the 91st edition. 91st. That that is uh, so. That's the oldest one in the state. Continuous. Yes. I think it's the oldest one in the country. That's what I was about to ask. Yes. If you knew, but the oldest one in the country in yes. America. That's correct. Especially outdoor. There are some churches that have started doing some singing Christmas trees inside their sanctuary. Yeah, but ours is outdoors. 91st year, you can be a part of the longest-running outdoor live Christmas tree, singing Christmas tree display in American history. You can be a part of history. EC was there when it started. <laughs> I'm not even going to look at it. But I, I know the look I'm getting in response. I'm not even going to go there. Uh, no, it is fantastic that you have been with that for so long and put so much of yourself into it. And it's you and people like you that have made it last for 91 years. So good job. It's a it's a tradition in Jackson, uh, in the state of Mississippi, and anyone who has ever been to Bellhaven or uh, wants to come back, it's a great opportunity to come back and visit and hear and see what's going on still at Bellhaven University. It's a fantastic event. Make your plans now to stop by and see it. Guys, glad you were able to stop in here and visit with me for a minute. Our pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. We're going to uh, pause for just a moment live in the Element Wealth Studios. And when we return, uh, we'll be joined by Hunter Dawkins. Oh, 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 I've got a list of stuff to talk to him about. We'll do that right after the break here on Midday Super Talk Mississippi. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. What? What? This is so awesome. 
on Super Talk Mississippi. I don't care if you like Paul Simon or not. You have to like that. Welcome back. Middays live in the Element Wealth Studios on Super Talk Mississippi. Dave Hughes here today. Rhino in the booth. Uh, really cool thing with the Bellhaven Christmas. Oldest one in America. Not just in the state. What she, Wikipedia says. In America. Oldest one in the country. That's a deal. That's a big deal. According to Wikipedia, they were about eight years ahead of the next closest one that was indoors. Wow. Which was in the early 40s. Wow. Yeah, it started in 1933. Four years after the stock market crash. So it started in the middle of the Great Depression. That That's impressive. It really is. So make your plans to be there for that. I was telling Rhino, and we'll, we'll uh, be talking with Hunter Dawkins here in a minute. Uh, I'm going to get connected up. Uh, I saw something on we, – we have – Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I have eight monitors here, which I still think puts me a couple behind you. But one of them... we got eight in here, too. We have with the sound off. Well, I brought one of them with me, so I'm kind of cheated. Uh, the, The sound off, but we've got Fox Business on up there. And, you know, they have the, the message that's always at the bottom of the screen talking about breaking news or what they're discussing. Uh, it's called a Chiron. I walked back in after escorting EC and Dr. Rebecca out, and I just glanced up there, and I saw something, and I, I almost missed a step. I almost tripped. I was like, now. So I run over here, and I sit down, and I'm typing furiously during the break. No, it's true. As you know, Friday is the deadline for us to avoid a government shutdown again. Well, He's still got that new speaker smell. Speaker Mike Johnson from Louisiana has cooked up this complicated plan called a laddered continuing resolution. What that means is we're going to have two continuing resolutions. One is going to deal with the funding for, I believe, it's four of the 12 agencies. And the second one will deal with the rest of them. The first one will continue the funding through the middle of January, the second one through the middle of February, to stagger it out and give them time to negotiate this one piece at a time. Now, there's no emergency aid for Israel, for Ukraine, for the border, for any of that included in this. There's no budget cuts included in any of this. This is basically the same thing that Kevin McCarthy pushed through It's a continuing resolution at current funding levels. Functionally, that's what it boils down to. He just broke it into two parts. Kevin McCarthy pushed it through, and it got him kicked out of the speakership. Now we're trying the same thing again. And again, we have, at last count, NBC News says they have counted up roughly 40 Republicans who have said that they're against it. They're going to vote this afternoon at 4.30. But unlike the last time, the Democrats are rallying around this idea. 
Uh, rallying is probably a strong word, I think. Uh, but they are in discussions talking about coming over and helping to provide the votes to get this passed to avoid a shutdown. The Chiron that I saw was because once the House passes it, then it has to go to the Senate before anything else can happen. The Chiron said Senator Chuck Schumer is in favor of Mike Johnson's continuing resolution plan. It's been a while, Rhino. Is this what bipartisanship looks like? I, I'm starting to remember. Yes, I think it is. It's been a while. I'm having to dust those memories off. But it looks like both sides are coming together to actually accomplish something. Like it, don't like it, doesn't matter. We got, we got three days before the whole thing shuts down. Uh, And if you think the TSA people at the airport for your Thanksgiving travel next week are going to be grumpy, imagine if they're not getting paid to do it but still have to do it, which would be the case if the government shuts down at midnight Friday. Just like it was in in, uh, 2019 when they shut down for 35 days. You started having them call in sick. There were delays. There were backups in travel. So there's the potential for some chaos involved in this. Well, something has to be done. I just thought that was interesting, the the whole bipartisanship thing. I believe uh, we now have gotten everything worked out. And joining us live, both on the air and on Super Talk TV, we have with us Mr. Hunter Dawkins. How are you today, sir? Dave, I'm doing well. It's good to see you, and I hope everything's going well. A little bit, uh, a little bit rainy down here, but everything's good. You know, I I was just talking to Scary Gary off the air right before the show started. Uh, Because, as you you know, I live in southwest Mississippi. Originally, we were forecast to get like three inches of rain over these three days. And they keep backing it up and backing it up. You know to us, Dave, you know to us, Dave, that's the Delta. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know, I know. I'm I'm a Yankee. I know. Uh, But... They've backed that off to where it's like a half inch to an inch, maybe. The biggest amount of rain is down where you guys are and out in the Gulf, where, which is the last place that's experiencing a drought right now. So it's kind of missing a bit. But I, you guys are getting a, a decent little amount of rain down there, aren't you? A decent little bit of rain, Dave. But as you're probably aware, the peninsula that we have down here is a flooding zone where it floods all the time, but it goes away once the sun comes out. So. Yeah, yeah, just just give it five minutes and it just boils off just about. Uh, now, that's right. We we have a lot of stuff going on. I do want to get you to weigh in on something before we get into holiday events and things like that. Uh, because we do want to cover those. It's that time of year. We've got to get some attention to those. Of course. Uh, I'm pretty sure you noticed we had an election last week, and I'm just curious, uh, you know, down there, what your thoughts are from that region uh, about the election and how things went. Well, obviously, as you know, Dave, and I'm sure a lot of other people that have listened, I'm not exactly 100%, but Tate Reeves is the very popular man down here, and he's got a lot of business backers, uh, you know, right before the election, he really started putting out some commercials on the Gulfport Harbor, having uh, a bunch of people that are my subscribers on there. Um, you know, I, I won't 
mention their names just because they know who they are and you know that's kind of me going against the neutral level of news profession what I do but they uh there is obviously a large support of uh, Governor Reeves down here and uh you know that doesn't mean they're supportive of his entire positions but what that means is that they have the feeling that things are going to work out better in favor of him than uh, across the board. Uh, and then uh, a lot of the local elections down here, the circuit clerk, uh, justice court judge positions were very important. And there was uh, there were some decisions made, not necessarily just a partisan because there were on both sides, but uh, it, was, it was a very important election, especially since the, in the circuit clerk's position, there are already going to be presidential ballots sending out by December. And so things have to be solidified on that measure. You know, it's so funny that you say that. And you you mentioned that Governor Reeves has a lot of support down on the Gulf Coast. They might not agree with every single part of his platform, but they still support him because of the general direction. Just just as an overview, let me ask you as as a journalist – uh, your opinion on this. We seem to have kind of lost the ability to have that kind of nuance when we're making judgment calls in politics these days. Do you think that's a fair statement? Yes, and I think that, that the large portion of that comes from the national, and it kind of bleeds down to the statewide, and then to your local politics. And I think that 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 articles are starting to become more editorialized nowadays. And, of course, that's something that I'm against is, you know, I'm not trying to brag or anything like that, but you can see the awards behind me. That's by me trying to get out to the community, trying to to show my newspaper, even though it's a weekly, it's the the only weekly in Harrison County that is of a legal permit. And the reason that I get that title is because, they know how local I am and how I try to go to board meetings and things as such and representing facts rather than editorializing stories. And that's, you know, maybe people are thinking that I'm just, you know, trying to, uh, to you know, b- bite the dust and not giving my opinions. But that's not what I'm employed to do. That's not what the subscribers pay me to do. They To give the facts and to give the community events is more or less what the... The, uh, and I think a bunch of journalists, whether it be nationwide, statewide, or local, they've started to get that confused with, well, what, you know, since we're employed by this group, what's your opinion out on left field? Well, we're up against a break. Just hang on through the break, if you would. We're talking with Joe Friday. Oh, wait, no, that was the other Just the Facts guy. Hunter Dawkins, <laughs> publisher of the Gazebo Gazette. That's now your nickname. We'll continue with him next. Attention, adoring fans! It's time for Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. And where down we go? Well, 
Welcome back. The LMA Wealth Studios live on Super Talk Mississippi. Middays, Dave Hughes here. And we are going way down, way down to the Gulf Coast. We've got Hunter Dawkins with us. Uh, and, uh, Hunter, you know, we've got a lot of stuff going on. We, we talked about the election a little bit. Uh, I do want to move on because honestly, there's about 62 things you and I could talk about right now. Uh, but I, I do want right. to, I do want to, uh, focus, uh, on something else. And this is a passionate thing of mine. Uh, and you can ask the folks here in the building. I'm continuously harping on this. Uh, what I consider to be the mental health crisis in Mississippi. And I consider it to be a crisis. And I just don't think it gets the attention it deserves that we need to do something to improve mental health care access in the state for people that need it. Would you agree with that? And what do you, th- what do you, what's your assessment of the situation? Certainly 100%. Um, there's not, you know, of course, the athletics have really come out because this is where the mental health, you know, scenario comes in nationally. People are starting to see this because of athletes and things like that and mention it. And of course, you know, my career partially is in athletics. And, uh, that being said, there has been a long time problem since, you know, my mother was in the legislature for 20 years. She was always dealing with that. And, you know, I never really got that involved in, in that. But what happened was I could see later on in life, my career in journalism took off, that there was a lot of health care problems and problems with jails. The more important thing down here with the Board of Supervisors in Harrison County about a year and a half ago, there was really an issue brought up about, you know, uh, the mental health care unit because a lot of those individuals and the, uh, the sheriff, the outgoing sheriff, Troy Peterson, said, you know, we can't, it's inhumane of us to hold these people in prison because the hospital is giving them to us because they don't have room, obviously with the pandemic, but also afterwards. And I think there does need to be something done with that. I'm not saying that I know the answer, but I do think that there should be some objective decision made about that. Well, and I I think you're right. And I think part of the problem is exactly what you just said. This is a complicated problem. You can't boil it down to a sound bite, so it doesn't get the attention that I think it deserves. It's something that it's... There, there is no easy fix for this problem. I, you can't just flip a switch, throw some money at it, and just walk away and say, yep, we're good. It's a lot more complicated than that. And I think the only thing we can do right now is at least start having the conversation about it, which I, we, we, we're, we're making advances in that, but we're still not where we need to be in terms of talking about it, I think. No, and I, I really, Dave, to be honest with you, I really think there is a need for opening up more facilities. You know, the Gulf Coast area has gotten ahead of the game a little bit with that, with uh, the the mental health facility in Pine Belt in Hattiesburg, but then they've opened up separate units that have been under contract down in Gulfport, and I believe there's one in Biloxi or so. I might be wrong about that, but there needs to be a place for a facility for these individuals that are going through these difficult times. They need to have somewhere they can go to. 
Well, and it's so funny. We we are starting to see a lot more attention on it. In the 12 o'clock hour, I've got my buddy with the Department of Public Safety, Mississippi Highway Patrol, Major Johnny Polos, uh, who is the head of the 1034 Project. And that's exactly what that project is about, is providing mental health support and emotional support to law enforcement because that that's a big thing and that's been something and you you were talking about athletics it's the same kind of thing uh you know you, you don't talk about those kind of things if you've got a problem you just suck it up you know how many times have we heard the expression be a man well again it's not sure. that simple and we have to get past those preconceived notions uh, about this kind of thing before we can really have that conversation fully i think yeah, you're certainly right, Dave. And I think the uh, the real outbreak in that recently has been, you know, uh, two years ago there was the Olympic gymnast uh, that was that was really or almost three years ago uh, with the Olympic gymnast really was the first athlete that really stepped out uh, in making the pitch on that. Then of course you've gotten a uh, lots of other professional athletes with that same segment. But I certainly agree with you because I know that there. are are difficult feelings in the, in the law enforcement community where they're having to deal with quite a bunch and they need to have the resources for them instead of, you know, whereas opposed to something might happen if they don't have those resources provided for them. No, exactly. And I think that applies to most walks of life these days. And my question to you is, you know, we're not going to solve this problem. You and I are not equipped to solve this problem. What we are equipped to do is discuss how do we forward that conversation and get it more in focus and more uh, prevalent with everyone in terms of discussing this problem, because that's where the solution will be found. How how do we continue to, to foster and build the conversation around this? Well, this might be a little bit of a um, of something that your viewers or yourself may not agree with, but this is where the the example of healthcare and the potential expansion of Medicaid comes in. I know that's not exactly for you know the the areas that we're talking about, but that can provide more funding for healthcare in general, and that's some, that's an avenue that I've talked about. Now, I'm not saying that. It has to happen this way or that, but it needs to be just introduced. It needs to be talked about to where it can provide our state with a lot of money that we need because we certainly get enough federal money, but we need to be able to to help the entire spectrum of, of the communities in Mississippi. Well, no one wants to see anyone go without health care. Having said that, uh, as I said earlier, w- w- with the specific mental health portion of it, I don't think it's as simple as just throwing some money at it and walking away and going, well, that's fixed. Uh, there, there's, uh, there's a lot of layers to this. I agree. But that also, with that Medicaid expansion, can get more money for jobs, for mental health jobs, for for other different avenues of resources, I think a lot of people can look into. And like I said, it's not, I'm not introducing the idea that, yes, it has to be, but I just want the idea suggested and looked at. So, well, and it comes back to, uh, even on that topic, having the conversation. Uh, 
just because exactly. you're just because you're having a conversation about something doesn't mean you agree with everything being said. That that that's kind of the basis of the country. Uh, we we squabble. That that's how we progress. We squabble on a regular basis, uh, and we have to get back to some of that. I think uh, because I think that is lost and. Well, the the results are not going to be perfect in the long run. Everybody wants to have the conversation, but nobody wants to have a conversation all at the same time. But, but, but Dave, let me tell you this then. One of the, the Mississippi one of the, the Mississippi uh, legends, Morgan Freeman, made the conversation, at least from what I saw a few weeks ago, that why that we just because we disagree, we don't hate each other. What's what's up with that? What's what's up with the social media pitch that we have to hate each other now because we disagree? I definitely don't agree with that statement. I think that we definitely should should find common ground regardless of where we're at. I mean, personally, I don't like that you're getting rain and we're not, but I'm not going to hold it against you. <laughs> but that that tends absolutely that tends to be the way things are going right now, and I, I think uh, Morgan was exactly right on that. And you mentioned social media there; that is brought up all the time as the boogeyman and the cause of all the problems. It's not; it's just magnifying what has existed in humanity since we first crawled onto this planet. That, that's the way humans are built. I, it's just giving it a platform. I agree, one hundred percent. So, uh, you know, we, we we have to get back to having the, the tough conversations and, you know, working our way through them. My opinion, I know, we, you and I both know what one person's opinion is worth, but that that's mine. Let's get on to something a little yeah. more cheerful. Sure. We're entering into the holiday season. We started the hour. I don't know if you can compete with this. Bellhaven's got the oldest outdoor singing Christmas tree in America. Uh, you guys have some events down there. I'm not sure you're you're that old with your events, but we're up against a break. If you can hold on one more second uh, during the Will break, do. I'd love to get into some of the holiday events coming up down on the Gulf Coast. Hunter Dawkins on the show with us here on Middays, live in the Element Wealth Studios. We'll continue with him next. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. All right, we are back on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Middays on Super Talk Live in the Element Wealth Studios. Dave Hughes here, Hunter Dawkins, publisher of the Gazebo Gazette down on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. The finest place in Mississippi that has a beach. Will that be a fair Always. statement? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, was, That's I, a fair statement. And you know, Dave, I want to tell you too, 
I want to say thank you for playing the early music in the morning. I, I love that music you guys got rolling. So. That is 100% on Rhino. He is, he is in charge of the music <laughs> and does an incredible job with it. Let me say that. He always has. Every once in a while, he throws one in there to make my eyes roll back in my head and go, what? Where did you get that from? But aside from that, he does a fantastic job. Uh, we're headed into the holiday season, and uh, there's always a lot of events going on. Just hit some of the high points very quickly, if you could, of some of the things going on on the Mississippi Gulf Coast that people can travel down and enjoy this holiday season. Well, the first week of December, there's always the, the first two events, and the events that I take a very privilege to be next to are the first Friday, which this year will be December 1st, is Christmas in the Past, the 38th annual Christmas in the, pla- the Past. They block the whole downtown. They have a parade. The fire department's leading it. There's fireworks. There's llamas. There's everything you can get down there. It's great. And uh, the next day is the Long Beach Celebration where they have boats, literally boats designed as Christmas floats, and they Mardi Gras parade with Christmas floats right through downtown Long Beach. Those two events are great. Of course, they got the harbor lights down in the Gulfport Harbor that are consistently every day throughout Christmas. And then there's always a bunch of things happening in the Bay and happening throughout Gulfport and Biloxi. And uh, you, you guys need to get down here. So sometime, you know, uh, you, yourself, uh, you know, uh, Gerard. I know Gerard comes down here pretty pretty decently. Uh, Kim and Steve, y'all need everybody needs to come on down sometime in the coast. So now I, I will say, by the way, and I do want to point out one flaw in the plan: only one of those three events you mentioned featured llamas. So I think there's room for improvement. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Not sure Christmas how you pass is growing. Yeah, I'm not sure how you work llamas into the the lights, but you can figure. You're a smart guy. You can figure something out. Uh, and I would like to point out too that uh, you correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that you are one of our opinion contributors here on Super Talk as well on the website, right? That is correct. That's correct. You know, Steve and Kim and JT and I have worked together on a great number of things, and uh, I definitely uh, I am able to share my opinions a little bit. And uh, you know, I go to some games and cover some games, and that's uh, uh, it's something good. So, in other words, you need a nap. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, pretty much after running my, my newspaper. What I usually do is uh, usually the last week of the year I try to take a few days off and put the last edition as the year run up and things as such. But uh, we'll see if that happens this year. So uh, I'll make a note to be sure to try to book you for the show December 27th just to interfere with things. Uh, Hunter Dawkins, enjoy talking to you, man. Keep up the good work, and you can check out his work at supertalk.fm. Uh, as one of our opinion contributors, uh, enjoy yourself and pet a llama for me this Christmas, okay? Absolutely, Dave, and hopefully it's God bless you that you get some rain up there. So. Mm, well, you could bring a bucket up our way. It wouldn't kill you. We'll split the gas cost with you. That's how desperate we are at this point. So, yeah, we'll take it. Hunter Dawkins, right. appreciate it, sir. Talk to you again soon. Take care. All right, Rhino. Where do I even go? Where do I even go? 
And boy, I'm really tempted to go into the conversation we were having off the air. I am so <laughs> tempted to go down that road. Did you know expanding Medicare will fix everything, or Medicaid will fix everything? Sure seems to be that way. If we would just do that, the roads would be better, the bridges would be fixed, and the ice cream machines will be working at McDonald's. It would cover everything, right? I'm not knocking Hunter. I'm just saying that seems to be put forth as the answer to everything. The panacea. Yes, yes. It is a one-size-fits-all cure for whatever ails you. Sounds like something Allie Hackham would be hacking. <laughs> well, <laughs> go Google that. I'll give you a minute. <sighs> Nobody knows that off the top of their head right now. <laughs> Nobody. They'll catch up, and then they'll laugh, and it'll be okay. But uh, we'll give them a minute until they get there. Um, j- just had to throw that comment in there because that was – I said, how do we start the conversation? And Hunter says, well, if we expand – well, 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 no, no, that's a, that's a conversation over here. I'm talking about this conversation. <sighs> When we come back after the news, we got news. Notice I'm just moving on. News from Fox News and uh, Super Talk Mississippi News. Then we'll start the second hour of Middays live in the Element Well Studios. Uh, I, I, I see information about the stock market, but I'm in Mississippi. I'm poor. I don't care. So we're not going to talk about that. Hey, I'm looking at it. Some things are green, some are red. That's all you need to know, really, right now. But we do have some other stuff to talk about, more about the, the budget crisis and just how effective... Welcome to the show that challenges you to think deeply, to think deeply. and look beyond political posturing. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to hour number two of the Beard Competition here on Middays. I think I've got you on length. I'm not sure yours is better formed. I need a shaping. I need a trim. And so we're, we're kind of neck and neck. I'm not yeah, sure. I'll give you a secret. What? Brill cream. Really? Not every day, but once or twice a week. Just about a dime's worth. Hair and beard. Interesting. I'm going to skip the hair for obvious reasons, <clears throat> but okay, I may try that. Yeah, I've got this beard Good oil, fashion brill cream. Yeah, that's, that's it. I don't know. <sighs> Only you and I care about this conversation, so we got to move back to something that uh, everybody else will care about. Uh, the uh, budget fight going on. Fox currently talking to uh, Representative Chip Roy from the House Judiciary Committee. Basically, every member of the House is going to be on the media today talking about this. Both Republic, well, more Republicans than Democrats. The Democrats are just sullenly sitting over to the side right now. Get out. It's kind of their go-to move. And that's what they're doing on this. Either this is going to fail spectacularly, or a bunch of Democrats are going to cross the line and vote for this as well to avoid a shutdown this weekend. 
Let me ask you, Rhino, if that happens, do we wind up in the same type of potential crisis situation we had with Kevin McCarthy's speakership? Because that was that was part of the problem was that it was viewed as a compromise and there weren't any hardline conservative things in his continuing resolution. There's none of that in this either. Uh, it's the same issue. Uh, was it more an issue with Kevin McCarthy or with the continuing resolution? I think we'll find out today. What do you think? I think it boils down to uh, how much camera time Matt Gates wants between now and the new year. That is a very fair assessment, I think. If he's got any Christmas shopping he needs to get done, he may let it slide. But if he's already got it all finished and he's got plenty of time for the press, he may just start it all over again. Well, he may have done the shopping, you know, had his people go and do his shopping for him. So, but yeah, I think I think you're right. I, th- I think that's a very good assessment because that was a large portion of what the whole thing was about with McCarthy to begin with. And if you don't think that's accurate, you're fooling yourself. And might I add, not really paying attention to all the nuances. I mean, that's why it was so difficult to get a new speaker elected is because a significant chunk of the Republican Party never wanted to make the change to begin with. Yeah. So there was a lot of infighting and squabbling, which we have talked about. You and I have talked about this. That's how long it's been going on. I'm not here every day, but we've talked about this. Uh, And it just makes us and the Republican Party look weak and ineffectual. I, I, I mean, by definition, it makes us look that way. We've got to write that ship because in a lot of cases, and especially when it comes to politics, perception is reality. Right, wrong, make a decision. That's step one in leadership. Make a choice. You're going to be right sometimes. You're going to be wrong sometimes. But at least you're leading. If you're sitting around squabbling about what choice to make, well, that's not leadership. And that's a problem right now. And I think outside of Mississippi, we saw the results last week in the election. How did that go for the Republican Party nationwide? Not very well. Not very well at all on our issues, on our policy stances, on our candidates. It didn't go well. I would say part of the problem is a lack of visible leadership. We just we, we don't have it. We've got to write that chip. I'm not sure today is going to do it. The, the way it was set up, uh, Johnson could afford to lose four Republican votes. At the same time that it was announced, at the same time it was brought out, three immediately stepped forward and said, I will never vote for this ever. So at that point, you were down to one vote to give without any Democrats voting for it to have a chance of it passing. That's a problem. That's that's a big problem because, yes, would we like to have a big enough majority to where we didn't have to worry about that? You can have you, you five, ten people over there do whatever you want to do. That's fine. It doesn't affect what we're going to do. That's not the situation, though. We have to deal with reality as it sets, and reality as it sets is this. Four people can wreck anything we try to do. It's all it takes. Well, five. It takes five people. That's not a lot. And that's part of where this comes from, this problem 
that we're facing. What do you think the over-under is? What, what, what are the odds that we get this passed today? I think the odds are better of it getting passed later in the week, but it's still probably a 50-50 chance today. Yeah, I would say so. But unfortunately, this is the situation we're in. I think this getting passed comes down to help from the Democrats. Yeah. That, that That's what it's going to boil down to when all is said and done. But that goes back to the head-scratching statement from Schumer earlier where he supports the latter continuing resolution. Yeah, uh, Schumer, the majority leader, again, contingent. He's, he's got 50-plus the vice president. It's an evenly split Senate. Uh, but the Senate majority leader, Chuck Schumer, said, oh, yeah, if you pass that and send it over here, we'll pass it. Let's go back to that perception thing for just a second here. After the, how long was it? Was it six weeks, the battle over speaker? Four weeks, six weeks, 18 years? That's what it felt like. After all of that, which was prompted by a continuing resolution to fund the federal government, that that was the, the inciting, it wasn't the reason, but that was the inciting event that led to Kevin McCarthy's, McCarthy's ouster and a month to a month and a half of doing nothing but squabbling. After all of that, let's go back to the perception thing. How do you write that perception and let everybody know, hey, it's okay now. That that was a blip in the radar. That was some weird stuff going on to the side. We've got this. We're in control. We're going to get things done. We're going to make sure that we get things done the way they need to get done for the betterment of the American people. How do you fix that perception? You bring forth another idea and you pass it first go. And you don't call for the vote until you know you're going to pass it first go. Because it was multiple votes and over a week squabbling back and forth before they finally got it passed with McCarthy and all sorts of backroom deals and everything else that happened. You want to fix that perception problem. Well, it's, it's kind of the same thing that they went through with the speakership. We kept having votes and failing and having votes and failing and having votes and failing. And then somebody finally came up with a bright idea. Well, here's an idea. Let's start voting behind closed doors amongst ourselves and not actually vote on this until we know we're going to win. Why would they do that? Perception. There had been enough waffling. You needed to look decisive on something and get it first go through. I would propose the same thing applies here. Is that, the only problem is, if you're relying on Democrat votes to help, you can't really do that behind closed doors. No, no. You can't do that behind closed doors. But you can go talk to them. Yeah. You can get you – know, if, if you can lose five votes and you go talk to your caucus and you find out you're losing 40 total, if you can go get 36 Democrats to agree that they're going to vote for it, it's in. That, that's the kind of discussion, wheeling and dealing, you might want to call it, that has gone on in Washington for centuries. But lately it has fallen out of vogue. That's the way things have always worked. Not everybody is going to agree. It's really not realistic 
to think that you're going to have a group of 220, 230 elected officials that are all going to agree every time. They're human beings. You can't get five people in a room and get them to agree on what they're going to have for lunch. Well, it comes back to perception. The Democrat Party is perceived to vote in lockstep because leadership whips them into shape. Yes. It goes back to leadership. That's what I'm saying. And the whole leadership question, the perception thing, don't think for a second that's not going to play a part in next year's elections. And the time to fix it and get it right and put on a show of leadership and certainty is not next October. It's now. That's my suggestion from down here in the cheap seats. We know how how well that works, what my record is on that, but that's my suggestion. We will continue on Middays live in the Element Wealth Studios on Supertalk Mississippi right after this. Now, the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Now, on to the real part. Dynamite! On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Super Talk Mississippi Middays in the Element Well Studios. Dave Hughes here. You know, I'm going off in a different direction. But I do want to clarify for Mose, I think he misunderstood here, said if Schumer is against the dual CR, the House Democrats will not vote for it. Schumer is for the dual CR. He came out this morning and said he supported that. That was a good idea. Which may be partially exactly what he's talking about here, what Mose is saying. That's kind of helping pave the way for some of the House Democrats to loosen up a little bit and go, yeah, we'll vote for it. Schumer said it was okay. We'll vote for it. So there's a little bit of uh, horse trading going on, I think. A little bit of wheeling dealing happening, which is oddly refreshing. We'll see. We'll see how this sorts out. They're supposed uh, Supposedly, they're going to vote at 4.30 this afternoon, which would be 3.30 our time. So we will see how that works out. Rhino, I told you about this, and I just got to get this in real quick. In Oregon... You already know it's going to be wild if it's coming from Oregon. It's coming from Oregon, and I sniffed before I started talking. That's two clear signs we're going to Crazy Town. In this particular case, Crazy Town is a place called Sweet Home, Oregon, just outside of Portland, (laughs) which is another sign. We're up to three signs. This is going to be a doozy. A city council member there, James Goble, said he was... Traveling in the area and saw a rock formation open like a door. 
Inside the door, he said, was a giant. Uh, said he got his phone out to film it, and they shut the door. No, he said that. He, he literally said that. Uh, in a video on Tickety Talk, because, of course, this this story is a desperate cry for attention and possibly help, Goebel in the video said, quote, Dude, giants are freaking real. I don't care what anybody says. End quote. Now, this to me is a statement on several different things. Number one, and the more serious of all of them, uh, do, do, do we really need some, some better vetting and qualifications for elected officials in America? That's a distinct possibility. It, it, this is a piece of evidence I would submit to the court for that argument. Number two, out of all the cryptids, the invisible creatures that exist out there, Bigfoot, well, he's hiding in the woods. Considering how we can't get rid of all the wild hogs just in Mississippi, yeah, it's conceivable something could be out in the woods. Yeah, okay, I give you that one. Nessie, that water's murky. The Loch Ness Monster. Yeah, there's some wiggle room there. Out of all fairies, they're tiny. I mean, come on, you may have seen one and you thought it was a butterfly. Yeah, there are logical explanations where you can explain how it could be possible. What's the name of the Brontosaurus in the Heart of Darkness? Oh, shoot. It's not Uluru. No. Something. Air's Rock. Something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, but here, here's, here's the thing. If you're going to claim you've seen a mythical creature that no one has spotted because it's hiding so well, I'm not sure giants is the one to go with. He was a good 15 feet tall. Oh, well, I, I can't imagine how, you know, anyone would be surprised. We haven't noticed them before. He thinks this is a good idea. What's depressing, though, here's the depressing part of this, okay? He put his video on Tickety Talk, claiming this. Now that area is being swarmed by people looking for giants. I don't care if you haven't had your eyes checked lately. You should be able to spot a giant. I don't care if they're wearing enormous ghillie suits. You should be able to pick a giant out if there's one roaming around. And his video has gotten more than 5 million views so far with a lot of comments of people encouraging him, believing him, saying, I, my favorite one is the one that says, yeah, I saw one too. Of course. It's funny we have a giant story, though, because have you seen what's going on in Iceland? Uh, with the with the uh, earthquakes? The and volcanic volcanoes? activity yes. and the 1,400 earthquakes in a 48-hour time frame? Got a little fishing village of about 3,000, 4,000 people. They had to completely evacuate. They literally allowed one member of each household to go back into their home for five minutes to collect any belongings they needed and their pets. And that's it. Ran them all out of town because they think it's about to be just destroyed by a flow of lava from this thing. Yeah, and there are several videos from residents inside their homes where 
You have a large boom, the earth rattles. Five seconds later, a large boom, and the house shakes. Ten seconds later, boom, boom, and the house moves twice. Like it's back to back to back to back. But it sent me down a rabbit hole, and that's why we come back to Giants. It's easy to understand how eons ago, the legends of stuff like dragons and giant birds and giants themselves living in the mountains could take hold. Because if you're living in a little hovel that you built with your bare hands that can barely survive a thunderstorm, and all of a sudden the earth shakes, and on the other side of the mountain you hear rumbling and rocks falling, it would make sense how you could believe in dra- and dragons and giants and all this other kind of st- stuff. But in today's modern times, where everybody has a super high-def 13,000-megapixel camera in their pocket, it's tougher and tougher to believe stuff like that. Well, now, see, though, you're, you're not being understanding enough. you got to remember... He had his super-duper thing, uh, but they shut the door real quick. Ah, yes, yeah. You forgot that part. That, that, that is the important part here. They slammed the door, which I assume... The giant mountain door. ...was a large door. Well-oiled hinges, because whoop, immediately whooped it closed. I don't know why they opened it. Were they going to check the mail? I don't know what they were doing. They had too many giant beans, had to air it out. It's <laughs> See, that's when you carve a hole through the top of the mountain to let things escape. you got to have some forethought here. That's poor giant planning is what that is. This, to me, is a, a very depressing commentary on the quality of some elected officials around the country. And the quality of people in general. Don't get me wrong, and you know we've done plenty of things over the years on this show and other shows. I like the spooky stuff. I like the weird stuff. I'm into that. I love talking about that. I keep a very open mind on this stuff. This one even I'm having a hard time with. At some point, we have to drop back and start assessing things for what they are and not giving everybody the benefit of the doubt because I'm about to tick some people off. It's at least once every time I'm up here, Rhino. This is my time. Some people don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. Some some people have not earned it. Some people are not qualified to receive the benefit of the doubt, and we've got to quit handing that out like fun-sized Snickers on Halloween night to everybody that stops in their goofy costume and talks about what was coming at them. But we keep doing that. We keep lending legitimacy to people like this, electing them to office. It's a little worrisome to me. I mean, how did he get elected? Well, he had five million views. Everybody's excited. To be fair, he could be crazy like a fox. Tourism has increased. They got people coming in from outside the area. They got to get gas. They got to eat. They got to buy stuff. If he hasn't set up a giant T-shirt stand out there by that area, he's missing out. Somebody needs to go do that right now because they'll sell a ton. Smallest size you can get, three X. Yeah, that's that's the baby size. Three X is only available in a onesie. 
And then it goes up from there. Yeah. Would sell a million of them. So maybe he's crazy like a fox. I don't know. Or, or. Just crazy. Just for argument's sake, maybe he's just crazy. So I just wanted to point out, no matter how goofy you think you or your friends or anybody around you are, oh, we're not even on the map at all. When we come back, Shay Walker joins me. Keep it here. Bring it on. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk Mississippi. Is the bumper music for test prep. 100%. Was I right or was I wrong? Welcome back to Middays in the Element Wealth Studios on Super Talk. Dave Hughes here. And joining me now with Jumpstart Test Prep, Shay Walker. How you doing this morning, sir? Great, Dave. Good to be here. Good uh, good to see you again. We were talking in the green room. Hadn't seen you in a minute. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, got some, some good updates for ACT and ACT Work Keys uh, initiatives going around, around the state. And uh, looking forward to sharing that. Well, and, and that's that's the key thing here is everybody, I think, probably has some idea, but they may not realize how important the ACT is, and especially the ACT work keys as well. I want to get into that uh, on top of this because they're both hugely important for career and, and just general development opportunities. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a great way to start off uh, the discussion. You know, ACT in Mississippi, we're one of – 18 states that mandate the ACT exam for all graduates. So in Mississippi, all juniors take the ACT uh, in in public school uh, the spring of their junior year. And it uh, turns out we're one of 18 states that do that. Um, Twelve of those states actually look at scores from the ACT and include it in as a concordance score for their graduation pathway. Mississippi is one of those states as well. So it can play into your uh, graduation rate in the state uh, by uh, meeting that concordance score for various subject areas or obviously the preparation that uh, the, the precursor for college and career readiness uh, – uh, entrance requirements. So, 18 states for listeners is Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas, Hawaii, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Minnesota, Mississippi, Montana, um, Nebraska, Nevada, North Carolina, North Dakota, Oklahoma, uh, Utah, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. Uh, and interestingly enough, eight of those states use the ACT scores uh, from that in their federal accountability plan. So uh, they've built ACT improvement into their federal accountability plan. Those are Arizona, Montana, uh, let's see, Nebraska, Nevada, North Dakota, Oklahoma, and Wisconsin. And Mississippi has not done that. Uh, in fact, in our 
in our accountability plan, uh, ACT and ACT work keys account to about 5% of our state accountability plan. Uh, and it's not included in the in the federal portion. So, well, and one one thing to remember in regards to ACT, and you and I were talking about this, the ACT specifically, that can mean a lot of money because there are scholarships <laughs> tied to your ACT score. Yeah, it hit, it hit home today for us. Uh, my son just got his scores back, uh, and if you're a parent out there. Uh, waiting for scores to be released from the October uh, test date. They just got uh, we just got ours today, and uh, our son had taken the ACT uh, eight or nine times. This is uh, he's a senior now at Brookhaven High School, uh, and he did advance from a twenty eight super score to a thirty, uh, and we're thrilled. And, you know that's what we're looking for. That gets us. He's interested in Mississippi State uh, Engineering School, so. Looking at their uh, scholarship offerings, that gets them into the tier at Mississippi State uh, with his GPA of somewhere around $8,000 a year uh, for scholarship, and that's pretty close to their tuition uh, for, for, uh, uh, for you know, a yearly uh, two-semester tuition. I think it's about $9,500. So it's going to save us a, a good bit of money just moving from a 28 to a 30 uh, looks like about three thousand dollars additional per year. So times four years, that's you know it's it's worth it to prep for that test. And uh, you know he's gone, he's come a long way. His first attempt on it, I think, was a nineteen back when he was a uh, sophomore. And uh, we we recommend all parents to all parents let you let your uh, child take the test, get familiarity with the time constraint, and uh, and and just get to know the test on on one blind run. And then start getting uh, prepped, uh, and because prepping for it um, involves reviewing really everything you've learned in your academic career, and that's what this ACT is. It's it's trying to determine your your readiness for college, predict um, the your ability to be successful in college. So it hasn't changed much in terms of test plan over 30, 40 years. And so the, the same ACT exam that uh, you might have taken 10, 20 years ago is still the same basic structure and scoring method. So it's a pretty good comparison from year to year about how kids are doing. Well, and uh, very quickly, I want to work over to the uh, ACT work keys as well, because while that's not necessarily for school kids, even though that is important for them as well and can, and can be meaningful for them, it's also for adults and professionals, yeah, right? yeah, uh, and it, actually, uh, you know, for work keys, it's a job skill assessment. Uh, is basically what it is, and it's uh, being adopted in more and more states. There are about twelve states now that that utilize it in the classroom or for all graduates of high school and adult learners. But it's uh, and we would call um, high school uh, students our uh, emerging workforce. So. It's it's actually uh, measuring their ability in in a subject called applied math, which is basic real world math. Can you calculate the volume of a slab? Can you make change? Uh, you know, basic real world math, and it gets uh, it, it, on, the, on the six on the uh, on the platinum level of the test, and I'll explain how it's uh, scored. Um, the platinum level questions and skills that are being assessed are are, are a little more advanced. <laughs> And it pays to prep. So uh, there's uh, the second section is called graphic literacy. It's trying to determine your ability to uh, take tables and charts and um, be asked a question about 
what to do if it's raining on Wednesday and the humidity is this and the sun is this, then within these tables and charts, what would we do if this? So you have to be able to navigate and critically think through what's being asked of you and navigate those graphics, um, and that's called graphic literacy. Uh, and then the third area is called workplace documents. In the workforce, we're all faced with workplace documents, and many times they're uh, very important uh, for to understand what your employer wants you to do, uh, process things, um, policy things. And so for high school kids or our emerging workforce, they've never seen a workplace document. So we found that preparing realistic, timed practice with uh, these three test areas before they take the actual assessment can make all the difference. Uh, we've got third-party evidence-based research from last year's uh, rollout of our of our Work Keys program that shows you've got to triple the chance of getting gold or platinum after having completed all three of our test areas than having not. So, and I say platinum, the test is scored from – no credential. You take the test and you don't get any credential. Um, to the lowest level, uh, it's called bronze. And then there's silver, gold, and platinum. Well, in our state accountability model, uh, if you complete a CTE program at your high school and you get a, you must complete the ACT work keys and get a silver or higher to, um, to get credentialized uh, and to be deemed college and career ready. So uh, if you're not in a CTE program, you can take the work keys in our, in our state now uh, as of last year. And if you score gold or platinum on that assessment, you you are college career ready uh, in terms of our accountability model. So many schools now are implementing work keys for that reason, to try to um, uh, get more percentage of their graduates deemed college career ready within our accountability model. And I understand uh, that there's a big push for all students to be provided this exam, uh, this job skill assessment next year uh, for our emerging workforce. And from a state perspective, that'll that'll open the door to uh, uh, a labor force, an emerging labor force, that uh, you don't have to scratch your head over what they know. Uh, the job skill assessment really lets an employer know where your skill set lies in those three areas. Well, and that was the thing that I wanted to ask and wanted to bring up because there are, as we keep seeing new announcements of new major investments in Mississippi by various companies, uh, these companies factor the work keys into their hiring decisions. Don't yeah, they? we uh, just heard, uh, I was at a convention a couple weeks ago, and I heard uh, Gino Perkins from uh, Nissan. I don't know if you know Gino, but uh, he spoke there and said he mentioned in his presentation that the work keys is part of their onboarding process, and you don't get an entry-level position at Nissan without getting a silver level on the work keys. So uh, you want to work there, you're going to need to you're going to need to take the assessment, and you're going to need to do well on it. So more and more employers are adopting this. Uh, we use it at JumpStart. It's a, it's a, for an employer. You've got the resume, and you've got your uh, your ability to interview and try to determine the the skill set of who your applicant is, but the work keys reveals that pretty clearly for you in in those three subject areas. So you don't have to really wonder what their proficiency is in in those three subject areas, and you can make um, it's, it's one more component that you can utilize for hiring decisions so uh, it gives them a baseline to go by that's right uh how how teachable is this person how how quickly is this person going to catch on we're talking with shay walker from jumpstart test prep and we will continue with him when we return in the element well studios live on middays 
Middays with Gerard Gibbert. We'll do it live on Super Talk Mississippi. Call up Trudy on the telephone. And a letter in the mail. Welcome back to the Ellumabell Studios, live and hopping on a Tuesday here on Middays. Dave Hughes here. Shay Walker with Jumpstart Test Prep in studio with us. And one question I was going to ask you just a minute ago that I do want to ask you here. Uh, you were talking about the various states where ACT is the thing. It's been the thing ever since I was in high school uh, here in Mississippi, but it's not the case everywhere. The, a lot of the country uses the SAT. What's the difference between those two? <laughs> yeah, glad you asked. So, I'm just going to get comfortable because yeah. this may take a minute. Uh, SAT uh, is actually mandated in 11 states, so uh, a little less adoption these days. Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Idaho, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Mexico, Rhode Island, West Virginia. So SAT uh, doesn't have a science section. In my opinion, uh, and, the, and the team that I work with, it's actually a little easier to prepare for the SAT. Uh, used to, the, S- the SAT was considered more difficult because you went down if you got a question wrong on test day. Uh, now, that's not the case. You're not penalized for guessing. Or if you miss a question, uh, you, you're not penalized. So, um, you know, it's it, it, and honestly, there's there's fewer answer choices. So if you if you have to uh, for multiple choice answers, then you've got a 25 percent chance of guessing correctly. And then on the ACT, you've got five, so 20 percent chance. So it's it's just a little bit different structure. Some states, mostly northern states, prefer it, uh, but either uh, either path is acceptable to our our schools so all colleges and community colleges in mississippi do recognize sat and have uh, scholarship levels there as well so so there there are differences but i do find it interesting that they changed that to where you no longer it's no longer a zero-sum game used to it started you started with the 1600 and everything you missed knocked right. it down more that's right now they changed that and they kind of had to because i think act was just growing um uh, much much faster and being adopted more and more and so you know i i think uh you've heard national news saying act is uh we're, we're in decline oh uh, yes everything's uh, awful just yeah, listen to the yeah. national news yeah well actually in mississippi you know we just got our junior results back from uh 2023 class uh, last year's juniors versus the juniors before and uh, we saw an actual an uptick uh, tenth of a point, but we moved up, whereas the rest of the na- uh, average in the nation moved down. Um, right now, our graduating average is uh, north of 18, just 18.1 or two. That doesn't uh, put us in a very good light nationwide. It puts us about 49th uh, in the nation. I think Nevada is behind us. Um, but again, we're we're a state that tests all students. So when you when you're testing all students, your average is lower. Uh, than a student than a state in the in the north where only optional uh, college students are, are taking the test. So uh, more and more, it's it's kind of deceiving when they say ACT scores have nationally dropped. It's because more and more students are taking it in states where it's been mandated. So it's a blessing in this state to be provided the ACT. All kids get that opportunity, and uh, our mission is to make sure that they've got prep that they're able to. Uh, practice and uh, utilize the 
the the great review that our co-founder uh, created over 40 years of, of helping students do better. Her name is Dot McClendon, 19-year star teacher, star teacher Hall of Fame, and uh, she's helped thousands and thousands of kids uh, perform better on this test because she realized you can't you can't do uh, your best on this exam without reviewing what you've learned in school, and it's more than tips and strategy it is a content review half the math test on the act is pre-algebra and elementary algebra things that a senior a junior senior haven't seen in in years and so we're finding that all students gain some level of proficiency by reviewing this content in a time with time practice uh in a near time frame to test day and when i say time practice this assessment it very much is a timed assessment uh, parents out there that are have kids that are scoring, you know, that have great GPAs at their school, but they're scoring, you know, in the high teens or low twenties, and they they call us all the time. We just don't understand why 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 is our score so low? And invariably, uh, it's time management. Uh, their 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 child is not working fast enough on the test. They're not seeing all the questions. And if you gave them unlimited time on the test, they would perform. Uh, you know, uh, similarly to their GPA, and my son's an example of that. He given enough time, he would have gotten a thirty-six on the ACT, uh, and I know that from practice tests that we've done. But um, it's it learning to learning to work with the clock. The time management aspect of the test is a very big part of what we do at JumpStart, uh, and it helps our students perform better. Now, if people want to find out more about JumpStart and what you do, what do they do? We're we're all online, so uh, you go to jumpstarttestprep.com and uh, you can you can see what we've got available for classrooms. If you're if you want to encourage your school to implement our program in the classroom, it's uh, there's a tab for that. And then if you're a parent, uh, you just got your October scores back and you see that you need help in in one subject area, you can buy prep just for that subject area. We'll ship you a workbook. You've got 90-day access to the program. And what we review content via streaming video. So it's not live. It's high-definition, high uh, highly visual, and, uh, you know, it's proven to get scores up. So you can find out all about it there. Um, you can email us at info at jumpstarttestprep.com, but it's pretty straightforward. Shay, always enjoy talking to you. Man. Thanks, Dave. Good information today. Shay Walker with Jumpstart Test Prep. He's now going to take a moment and breathe. We've got news from Fox and Super Talk Mississippi News next. Get ready. Get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. I haven't checked. Are you sure it's not a full moon? Are you positive? Do we have full moons on Tuesdays? I don't know what the scheduling is. I don't even know what department is in charge of that. Welcome back to, and I'm about to explain why we're having that discussion. Middays in the Element Well Studios, hour number three officially underway. Coming up a little bit later on this hour, we've got Major Johnny Polos with the Mississippi Highway Patrol. A really cool project they've got going on that I'm excited to talk about. As a law enforcement brat, I'm excited to talk about this one big time. We're going to get into that at the bottom of the hour. Um, 
And here's why I was asking if it was a full moon. Everything's off kilter today. Every, everything seems like is missing a cylinder somehow. The engine's running rough. Give you two examples. A columnist with Politico, Jonathan Martin, uh, is criticizing President Biden's re-election strategy. Uh, <laughs> he criticized it yesterday and said that uh, David Axelrod, former advisor for President Obama, who's been trying to advise Biden on his re-election campaign, uh, and apparently, according to Jonathan Martin, the columnist, Biden keeps calling Axelrod a um, <clears throat> a p-word, female body part. Usually comes in front of the word willow. Yes, yes, or cat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the president of the United States using that against a respected advisor to his former boss when he was vice president. That's how he was referring to him in private, according to Jonathan Martin. Okay, the sitting president of the United States getting called out for calling someone, offering him advice on his campaign he's not doing anything with, that word is a little crazy. But then there was a Senate hearing this morning. Holy cow! You have heard this, and I've used this expression before, that the Senate was described, was it Jefferson that described it? Adams, I think it was Adams that described the Senate is supposed to be the cooling saucer of government. That's the level-headed group. That's the group that has some common sense. That's the group that just kind of takes care of business. The House is a little more raucous by design. That's where the fistfights are supposed to happen. The Senate is where everybody calms down, we get everybody together, and talk things through. That was by design. Well, we can throw that out the window now. After this morning, Rhino has the audio. You're going to hear in here uh, Senator Collins. You're going to hear uh, Bernie Sanders, who was the chair of this committee. And who, who, was, the, who was the person that was testifying? Uh, it's Oklahoma Senator Mark Wayne Mullen was doing the questioning, and he was talking to Sean O'Brien, the head of the Teamsters. Ah, yes, yes, the the head of the union. Apparently they've had a bit of back and forth on Twitter, and it came to a head. Just uh, give it a listen. Like he's self-made. Sir, I wish he was in the truck with me when I was building my plumbing company. Myself and my wife was running the office because I sure remember working pretty hard in long hours. Pretends like he's self-made. What a clown. Fraud. Always has been. Always will be. Quick, the tough guy act in these Senate hearings. You know where to find me. Any place, any time, cowboy. Sir, this is a time, this is a place. You want to run your mouth? We can be two consenting adults. We can finish it here. Okay, that's fine. Perfect. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your butt up then. You stand your butt up. Oh, hold on. Oh, hold, stop it. Is that your Sorry. solution every problem? No, no, sit down. Oh, you're a clown. Sit down. Okay. You know, you're a United States senator. Sit down. Actively. Oh, okay, okay. Sit down, please. All right. Can I respond? Mr. Hold Shem. it. Hold it. If hold we can, no, I have the mic. Said. I'm sorry. This is hold what it. he said. You'll have your time. Okay. Can I respond? Oh, no, you can't. <laughs> this is a hearing. 
Hey, hey, good for Bernie. I got to give Bernie props. He stepped in, let it go as long, probably a little longer than it needed to, but let it go and then took command and said, no, everybody shut up, calm down. Because they literally, Mullen stood up. Oh, yeah. In the video. He bowed up. Started trying to take his wedding ring off so he wouldn't skin his knuckles more than he needed to. They were about to walk around and have an honest-to-goodness fist fight in a Senate hearing this morning. You stand your butt up. I'm going to start using that in day-to-day conversation now. (laughs) Oh, yeah, stand your butt up. (laughs) If I used it in a college paper, I could cite a United States senator. Right? Oh, yeah. (sighs) Now, what really needs to happen is both of them need to pick a charity of their choosing and get in the ring. Yes. I think that would be awesome. Pick a charity. All ticket sales and proceeds go to the charity of the winner, as chosen by a panel of judges or knockout. Well, and whichever I, comes first. I would I would say, uh, you know, let, let's say just for the sake of easy math, it's a million dollar purse. Seven hundred fifty thousand goes to the winner. Two hundred fifty thousand goes to the charity of the loser. Because I'd hate to see a charity get their hopes up and then get nothing out of it. You know, so let's just do an obvious split where the winner is getting a lot more than the loser. And then, okay, fine, you two go after it. Why not? That's where we're at now. Can anyone tell me how this is conductive to governance? Mullen is a Republican, by the way. Also, I checked, and the next full moon won't be until Monday, November 27th at 4.16 a.m. Eastern. Okay, so we're, we're, we're right in the middle. We're close to a new moon. This is what I'm talking about, and let me make sure that I make it perfectly clear what just happened, what you just heard, in terms of, back to what we were talking about earlier, Rhino, with perception. A Republican senator tried to get in a fist fight with a witness testifying at a Senate hearing, and the Democrat, the socialist Democrat, the far, far left Democrat, was the voice of reason who took control, took command, and steered them to a happy ending. How does that look to the rest of the country? Perception-wise. Because, here's the thing, I've talked about this before, and this is something that we keep missing on the national level in the Republican Party. We cannot seem to wrap our brains around this. It is painfully obvious to everyone that the country is, well, it's a pretty even split between Democrat and Republican. And by even split, I mean it's roughly the same number of voters that adhere to either party. The people that win are the ones that went over the ones in the middle. That, that, that's just a fact. I'm sorry, you look at the polls. Uh, it was a recent poll polling between Biden and Trump for president next year, and I think it was a one percentage point difference. That's about as evenly divided as you can get. Every poll I've seen has just about been within the margin of error. So who wins? Whoever, out of those two sides, wins over the most votes in the middle. 
we have completely lost sight of the fact that winning elections is a sales job, not a sermon preaching opportunity. If you're preaching to the choir, you're not bringing anybody else into the church. You got to get out and evangelize. And you don't do that by going up and running and screaming in everybody's face, which, as you just heard, that's the way we're conducting Senate business now. This is not conducive to winning. This is not conducive to moving forward and getting this country straightened out. And if you think it is, I'm not sure what to tell you at this point. Look around at the results. This, to me, is the major problem we're facing right now. It's internal. That's been on display for a month and a half, two months. Full public display. It's internal in the Republican Party. We've got to straighten this out. We have to. When is the last time you heard a senator try to throw down in a fist fight during an official hearing proceeding? Again, the Senate is considered the higher of the two houses of Congress. It's, it's the, the, the more statesmanlike of the two. Except for today. This is bothering me, and until we start addressing this, we're going to have more days like last Tuesday, which is the last thing I want, and it should be the last thing you want, and we should all be willing to work together to do anything we can to avoid it. Why aren't we? You give me a choice between being right and winning, I want to win. That doesn't seem like an unreasonable attitude to me. But that's just me, I guess. We'll continue live in the Element Well studios on middays here on Super Talk right after this. It's so awesome! Middays with Gerard Gibbons. Come on, let's get on with the show! On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Super Talk, Mississippi. Middays, live in the Element Wealth Studios. Dave Hughes here. Ceasefire text line, Larry and Mize says, What about Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton? Yeah, Pistols at 10 Paces is a little classier than what we just heard. I, I did some digging, and apparently the last time it came to fisticuffs on uh, the floor of the Senate, or involving senators was on the 20th of February, 1902, Hmm. during a debate on a bill dealing with the annexation of the Philippine Islands, Senator Benjamin Tillman of South Carolina, he's the junior senator at the time, accused senior senator John L. McLaurin, also of South Carolina, of treachery for siding with Republicans in support of the Philippine annexation. The junior senator entered 
the chamber. Words were exchanged, at which point Senator John L. McLaurin turned around and socked him one. And then pandemonium ensued with the rest of the senators trying to separate them. Many senators getting bruised and battered and beaten while trying to separate the two men. And then on the 28th of February, about a week later, the Senate voted 54 to 12 with 22 abstentions to censure both Tillman and McLaurin. McLaurin did not seek re-election while Tillman served in the Senate another 16 years. The difference is we didn't have a 24-hour news cycle, nonstop television coverage and cameras of, on everything at all times, or the Internet to spread the word. So people heard about that about two weeks later when it finally showed up in the newspaper. Now, within an hour of it happening, we were talking about it and letting you listen to part of it. By the way, side note, I am just fascinated by the Chirons today on Fox Business. They just put one up because, you know, President Biden's meeting with uh, China's Z, Jinping. Uh, the headline said, report, Biden and Z to reach deal on fentanyl. And my first thought was, well, he should just ask Hunter. I'm sure he's got some. Why are we having to import and take American jobs like that? That's Speaking of Hunter, the... Photos of the cocaine that was found in the White House have leaked out. I saw that. Including pictures of the cubby, and it's it's like the Secret Service has never heard of fingerprinting. Yeah, no. Oh, well, they said there were no fingerprints. All right, right, right. right. Nothing, nothing incriminating that could possibly point towards anybody else. So uh, we, uh, I was, I, I'm a fumble fingers. I just didn't get anything off of it. Sorry. We all believe that, by the way. Yeah. It's obviously the truth. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a minute since we've seen that kind of action. Uh, 121 years. So it's not common for that kind of nonsense. But I'm telling you, I'm going to repeat it again. The, the biggest battle we have between now and next November is perception. Every move we make, and I'm sorry when the ball's already rolling in that direction to where you look chaotic, and I think that's a fair assessment of how Republicans in Washington look right now. And the majority of them aren't. That's the thing to remember. It's just a few, but with the 24-hour news cycle and the Internet and cameras everywhere and everything else, well, it immediately gets full attention. Every single instance of that or any kind of behavior like this, or any kind of squabbling or intramural fighting, just piles on that perception of, wow, they are in complete disarray. When your neighbors, when they're, they're married, not married, doesn't matter, they've got kids. When those two are out in the yard screaming at each other at the top of their head, having a huge fight, are you going to ask them to watch your kids while you run to the store? That's kind of the impression we're giving right now. And we have to fix that. We have to fix that. It's not a maybe. It's not an option. We have to, or we all know what's going to happen next November, which is what we desperately need to avoid. Or we can keep on cheering on this kind of behavior. 
One word. One word needs to be our guiding overall principle right now to reclaim some reputation. Statesmanship. That that needs to be the guiding principle. Now, that one will fuel getting all of our other principles taken care of and accomplished. That's the gas in the engine, though. Statesmanship. We don't have a lot of that right now. At least not in the public's eyes. And we have to fix that. Do you think we can, Rhino? I mean, it's within our power. It just requires a little bit of gumption. Yeah. Which gumption seems to be in short supply when it's a popularity contest. Well, the thing you have to remember, too, is there is a distinction between gumption and bluster. Correct. What you heard just a few minutes ago from Senator Mullen, bluster. 100% pure bluster. And in fairness, it was bluster from the Teamster head. Oh, yeah. It was bluster from both sides. But but that's, that, that is by definition trolling. Yes. On the part of the Teamster head. Yes. And the Republican senator fell for it. He yeah. bit hook, line, and sinker. You would, and I'm just going to be clear about what I think about this. You would expect that from the head of the Teamsters. That's exactly the behavior you would expect. He pulled the senator down to his level. Did that benefit the senator? Did that benefit the perception of the of the Republican Party that he couldn't hold his temper and keep his cool to get business done? I'm saying no. The opposite is what happened. That's my opinion. I suspect with a certain group of people out there, not not one particularly identifiable group, just some people, that's going to be an unpopular opinion. No, we need to all fight. Everybody needs to get in there and need to have baseball bats. Need to, really? Really? It's not how I would argue the Venn diagram of those people and the people that think that a government shutdown won't come back to bite Republicans overlaps a great deal. Yeah. So basically, Matt Gates. We're talking about Matt Gates, right? <laughs> We're back on him. That's what you mean by that. That's the Venn diagram. It's a dot. You either have to be pretty self-absorbed or not very self-aware. So yeah, Matt Gates. Yeah. <sighs> Thomas, so keep your cool and bow to Chucky. Fiscal responsibility takes a backseat to catering to Democrats. Well, no. But there is never any cause to act a damn fool just because you think you're right, even if you are. And I don't know who decided that that's the way to act. I don't know about anybody else. My mama and daddy taught me to act better than that in public. And what's it getting us? Again, results-wise, let's look at the results. What's it getting us? How'd the elections go for the Republicans nationwide last Tuesday? What's the result of this continued idea 
that there are only two options. Either they agree with me or I'm going to punch them in the mouth. How, how is that a discussion? How is that making any progress whatsoever? I'll tell you, you can look at the ballot box. Look at the ballot box in 2022 last year. Look at the one last week across America. Boy, we're knocking it out of the park, aren't we? No. There is a middle ground, and until we remember that, nothing that we know for a fact needs to get done will happen. As evidence of what I'm saying, I refer to the last couple of years. How's it going? Again, let's guide ourselves by results and not attitudes and opinions. Let's guide ourselves by what we've accomplished, what we are accomplishing, and what we still hope to accomplish. How's it going? Take an honest look. How's it going? Results. Because ultimately, that's all that matters. When we come back... You're going to have to play that bumper again. When, we, when you come back, Major Johnny Polos joins me. Uh, we got something really cool going on with the Mississippi Highway Patrol we're going to talk about right after this. Doing my job. We interrupt this program. Gerard Gibbert. Here we go. This is huge, huge, huge news. Huge, huge, huge news. Huge. You need to listen to this. Middays with Gerard. Super Talk, Mississippi. Welcome back, Super Talk Mississippi Live in the Element Well Studios on Middays. Dave Hughes here, and joining me in studio now, my buddy with the Mississippi Highway Patrol, Major Johnny Polos. How you doing today, sir? Doing great, Dave. Great to be in in the studio with you again. It's good to see you again, it man. Is. We we ta- we talk occasionally and email and text, but we don't get to catch up face to face very often. That's right, and that's because you are incredibly busy. Well, it's it has been a little busy lately. I'll have to agree with that. Yeah, but. Uh, especially with what we're here to talk about today, busy on something just hugely important, mm-hmm. I think, and, and something that uh, I, I don't even think good is a strong enough word to describe it from my perspective anyway. Tell us about the 1034 Project, and probably for those of you that aren't familiar with 10 Codes, uh, explain where that name came from because it's perfect. Okay, so with the Mississippi Department of Public Safety, the law enforcement agencies that are under the umbrella of DPS use the 10-code system. And 
1034 is the name of our wellness and resiliency program within the agency. So we sat down and said, what better name can we give it than 1034, which stands for Officer Request Backup. So we named it the 1034 Project, and it is that name has worked really well for us. That's a fantastic name because uh, for a couple of reasons to me. Number one, it perfectly describes exactly what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But it's also kind of a little bit of an inside thing for law enforcement. That's right. The, the, that's exactly right. And, and again, you know, going back to um, the program when Colonel Ginn and Commissioner Tindall came to me about – starting a wellness and resiliency program. Dave, I'm going to be honest with you. I was a little apprehensive about that uh, for a number of reasons. Number one, I'm, I'm one of the uh, I'm one of the old guys. I was raised in that I'm the older generation. And you know what we do. We've talked about that, of how we deal with things. And um, so I sat down. I thought about it. And uh, I definitely started drilling down. And to tell you this real quick, it's probably going to, going to be one of the most important things I've ever done for the agency. It's been needed for a long time, as you well know. Um, we've made great strides with it. Uh, we're now branching the program out. It started with the Mississippi Highway Patrol, but as you know, we have multiple law enforcement agencies, you know, under the, the DPS umbrella. And, uh, we had a, we had the Commercial Transport Enforcement Division, uh, award ceremony today. And I can tell you it's been, it, it has just been a blessing and a breath of fresh air for me to work with the men and women in that division, uh, to help us move Move this program along. So again, we're making great strides, but we have a long ways to go. Well, and I, I, I know, and you and I talked on the phone yesterday about this for a while, uh, and I, I knew immediately what your biggest challenge was going to be, <clears throat> and that's to get people to be open to the concept that it's okay to ask for help. That's exactly right. And I think everyone knows there's a stigma associated not only with law enforcement, but the military. Whenever it comes to any discussion about the mental wellness, we're, we're going to run in the opposite direction of those conversations because at the end of the day, we're the protectors, right? So our goal is to protect people. We can't show any level of weakness. But at the end of the day, what we have to understand, we are human. We're human, and we're going to deal with certain things either in a good way or a bad way. And we have to start normalizing situations of what law enforcement officers encounter out there every day, just like first responders. Dave, the things that these officers see is not normal. It is not normal. So we have to realize how we're going to react to some of those things and how we feel is not going to be normal either. But the actual human emotion of what you're feeling is normal. It doesn't matter if you're military, law enforcement, first responder. You're going to handle things in a certain way. We're just wanting officers to handle them in the right way now going forward. And the thing to remember is you cannot compare your situation, your experiences, what you're dealing with, with your brother-in-law who's a plumber. Because these kind of things and the kind of things you're exposed to and you experience in a career in law enforcement, a first responder of any kind, are additive. They stack up. I'm sorry that – and I'm sorry to say something like this, but you're going to understand. About the tenth time you have to work to try to get 
a child out of a wrecked car that may or may not be with us any longer? That adds up over time. That doesn't all get lumped into just one box. That's it gets exactly right. bigger and bigger and worse and worse. That's what you're talking about here. Mm-hmm. There, th- this is a very specific type of thing that law enforcement has to deal with. We just have to work past that perception that, well, if you ask for help, you're weak. That's right. That That's the opposite of the truth, in my opinion. That's correct. And, and a lot of people don't think about this, but a law enforcement officer can see things in one day the average citizen may never see in a lifetime. And you, you talked about seeing that over and over, and we call packing it in. We just steadily pack it in. But eventually – like anything, it's going to overflow, right? And that's where a lot of our problems come in with this profession, that we keep stacking it and packing it, and then when it overflows, we don't know how to handle that, and usually poor decisions are made. And, and again, that's what we have to correct with normalizing situations that law enforcement officers encounter every day. Not only that, response to critical incidents and repeated exposures over and over not only affect the law enforcement officer, it affects their family members as well. And that's another component of this program is to bring the family members in because they deal with a lot, too, trying to support us, but we have to do a better job of supporting them. Well, and anybody that was in that class will remember this. I made my senior year in high school, my senior English teacher, cry in front of the class because she had us all write a paper about our hero. Wrote mine about my dad, and it was titled, I Never Know If He's Coming Home. Completely understand. Completely understand. You know, let me back up when I say that. I did not understand that. When I became a trooper and started working, I did not understand or realize what family members go through worrying about whether I was going to come back through the door. But I can assure you, I know now because we have a son. My wife and I have a son that is now a trooper. He has five and a half years on. And I can tell you, now I understand. I understand. You are equal parts proud dad and terrified. Exactly. And there's no other logical way to react to that. And not only not only for him, but all these officers that are out there working right now and the future officers that we're hoping are going to come to this agency and multiple agencies across the state, we have to do better for them. We have to create a wellness culture. And again, you're going to hear me, hear me say normalize a lot. We have to create that wellness culture to where it is accepted. It is a part of training we've never implemented within law enforcement, but we have to do that to get better. Well, and I, I think this is a good start. And you sitting here, you know, with the gold patches, major, uh, with, with the structure of law enforcement, there is a leader. There is somebody mm-hmm. at the top. When it comes down from the top, absolutely, that carries a lot more weight That's right. than any other direction it could come from. And I'll tell you why that is so important. Because, for example, our, our rank structure, our command staff, starts with the commissioner, comes down to the colonel and lieutenant colonel. They were, they were the first ones on board. 
because they see everything, they're going to be the first ones to see the bad things that happen within this agency whenever an officer doesn't make the right decision. But we're at a point now we're starting to see why they're making some of these bad decisions. And we have to try to intervene when possible and provide resources and training to prevent that. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I think this is – to me, this is huge. It is. It is. And, again, we need the response from the public to help us with this. And they're, they're going to make it even better for us. Well, and when we come back, uh, final segment of the show uh, – you know, you, you talk about uh, the stigma and the perception within law enforcement. It ain't just within law enforcement, Major. It, it's society in general. Oh, I agree. You know, don't don't you dare ask anybody. Come on. Come I on. I agree. Now, it doesn't help that a lot of times in other cases, and that's why I'm excited about this, uh, you ask for help, and it's like climbing a mountain barefoot to get it. That's a whole separate problem. But you're correcting that problem. You're dealing with that. Straight up, right here. We're trying. It's fantastic. The 1034 Project, we will continue with that before we go 10-7. Well, we're just going to go with all the 10 codes today. Why not? I'm okay with that. Yeah, you and I understand what I'm talking about anyway. (laughs) Final segment of the show with Major Johnny Paulus of the Mississippi Highway Patrol next. Mississippi. Gerard Gibbert. Going beyond the headlines, breaking down the stories that matter to Mississippi. Middays with Gerard on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Super Talk Mississippi Middays in the Element Wealth Studios. Dave Hughes in studio with us, Major Johnny Polos with the Mississippi Highway Patrol. And during the break, th- th- this highlights why this is a, a an area of concern and something that needs to be focused on with the 1034 Project. You pulled up some stats, Major, mm-hmm. and, and this... This should explain it to anyone who has any question how important this is. If you would give those stats. So this is as sobering as it gets. Nationwide, this year, for 2023, nationally, we've had 42 law enforcement officers die in the line of duty by gunfire. 42 have lost their lives to gunfire in the line of duty. For 2023, nationally, we have lost 89 officers to suicide. So more than twice. Absolutely, yes. The amount. Twice. That have lost the their amount. lives in the line of duty have taken their life. That's correct. You think it's a problem? You think it's something that needs to be addressed? If you have any other questions, we can repeat those numbers again because you obviously weren't paying attention. It is just that cut and dried. Mm-hmm. And... The first step is solving any problem. The first step is what? Admitting you have a problem. Right. Well, there you go. We've now admitted we have a problem. The 1034 Project is here to kind of address that. That's that's correct. And in the 89, I look at this, um, 
and just and just real quick i'm going i'm going to tell you this that um i lost a family member that is a retired trooper to suicide in june and that was a game changer for me um that pretty much well solidified my position with the wellness program and knowing how important it is and looking at these 89 officers that tells you and we call it suffering in silence and that's what we have to fight we have to do our best to prevent officers from suffering in silence and not only that their family members that basically suffer in silence too because sometimes we don't want to give them a voice you probably encountered that growing up sometimes we don't allow our family members to have a voice and again the importance of the program very much so and by the way you don't talk about it law enforcement families whatever you don't talk about it that's you, right you might occasionally talk about it amongst others in the same group but that's it Aside from that, no, everything's fine. And they wear a badge, too, to a degree. We forget that. We forget that they don't know what we're doing out there when we're working. We do. We know if we were successful in coming back to our vehicle after a traffic stop, but we do not call our loved ones after every traffic stop and tell them, I made it. I'm good on this one. They don't know that until we walk back through the door. And we tend to forget that, that they go 10-8 when we go 10-8, and they go 10-7 when we go 10-7. And let our audience know, 10-8 is on duty, and 10-7 is off duty. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to take it a step further. Kind of like the law enforcement officers, the, 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 the families never go really yeah, off duty. I, I have to agree with you. You know, they I have don't. to agree with you. It's it's always kind of a cloud hanging in the back of the room. You don't talk about it. You don't acknowledge it. Nobody looks directly at it because, you know, I don't want to call attention to that cloud that's, that's right. hanging over there. But it's there. That's right. Another component, important component of the program, Dave, is that we're now helping law enforcement officers actually transition to retirement. And, you know, when I teach the classes, I always, I always ask the officers, how much of this baggage do you actually want to take with you into your retirement life and if you start thinking about that if you've got a 25 30 year career and you've had a lot of stuff you've packed down you know for those years when are you going to unpack that are you going to try to unpack it when you're retired or do you start unpacking it now when you start learning how to you start learning how to do that and actually help your family unpack a lot of that stuff, too, because as we've talked about, they go through a lot as well. Well, and I think, and I'm, I'm just airing this out in the, the great wild, uh, an angle to take. You're, you're, you're not teaching them to get help. You're not teaching them to reach out and be weak. You're teaching them how to use a new weapon. That's correct. That's correct. To have a happy lifestyle, a productive lifestyle, and to be able to go out and enjoy your family life where your family can enjoy the same things. It is a fantastic program. I am tickled to death to see it. Keep up the good work, man. Well, we appreciate that, day. See, I knew I liked you the day I met you all those years ago. <laughs> That's it for Middays on this Tuesday. Enjoyed it. 
Gerard back out on the road flying around the universe tomorrow uh, and Thursday, I believe, as well. And I'll see you again soon. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.